All right, what is up, everybody? We are back here with another episode. And today we are going to be talking all about AI and artificial intelligence in real estate and how business owners and entrepreneurs can actually leverage this tool that is massively growing and becoming massively popular here that's going to change the world as we know it. And who better to be talking about this than the founder of AI8 Academy, Cameron O'Brien. And uh, Cameron, I just want to welcome you to the show. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I am really excited about this uh, this interview, and I'm ready to learn and dig in. But just for our audience out there who you know, don't know who you are, or kind of wondering like what your background is and how you got into you know AI and training agents and entrepreneurs how to you know use the language and talk to the AI, um, would you mind kind of just giving us like a little bit of background and how you got into this and how you were you know so fast to kind of take advantage of this opportunity to start teaching people how to actually capitalize on it? Of course, absolutely. I mean, for the last several years, I've been into programming and all that blah, blah, blah tech stuff, but not to jump into that too much detail. There's no sense doing that. But really, um, AI has become more more accessible since November when OpenAI kind of released their chat GPT model, which most people know about. And I've essentially spent um, at least a couple hours every day since then implementing AI systems into my own life, as well as other companies and, uh, and helping everyone kind of leverage what's possible with AI. And as it continues to develop the way that you communicate it with, with it keeps changing. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, long story short is that my experience with AI as it stands today and AI models is since last November, which doesn't seem like very long, but uh, I feel like the world has completely changed since, since last November and it will continue to change. And I think that the more that we talk about AI and the more that we embrace it as something that's not going away, the better that we can all do uh, as this kind of AI revolution occurs around us. Right, absolutely. So you mentioned something there that's pretty interesting is that this is new, not just to like yourself or anybody else kind of listening to this, but this is new to everybody like within the existence of the world, or at least the majority of people, right? So in your opinion, right? So when you're kind of looking at this as a new new thing, kind of moving forward, what are some of the, you know, you would say some of the most common implementations for artificial intelligence um, in a business standpoint and more like in a marketing standpoint? And what do you think are some ways that, you know, I guess a real estate agent or somebody kind of working for themselves can take advantage of this uh, in a way where it's not, you know, super intimidating in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so first off, what I would say to everyone listening here is think of AI as like the internet or when the first personal computer came out. Um, you think of Apple, right? P- people were using computers, right? People, they had them in big labs. There was like punch cards that used to interact with them. But it was when the personal computer came out that suddenly it was accessible to everyone, right? So AI has been around for a long time. I mean, they've been experimenting with AI since the 60s, but this is the first time that there's been a publicly accessible model that is building off of publicly accessible data, right? So this is like really the first time that this technology is accessible to the everyday person. So something that I that I'd like to mention, because this is something that I find a lot of people aren't talking about, is that OpenAI is doing the world's largest concurrent uh, 
universal basic income study at the same time as they're developing all this technology because they're predicting that by the year 2035, their and other AI technologies are going to eliminate more than 800 million jobs worldwide. Um, and I think that if we're looking at that, then knowing how to use this technology, knowing how to interact with it, and knowing how to leverage it is going to make sure that you and your family are supported and protected and that your livelihood uh, sustains this kind of industrial revolution of artificial intelligence. So now let's rewind back to today, right? That's the scary future where Terminator takes over. But Back to today, um, if we're looking at um, how can we use this in our business and marketing today, the best way to do so is if you haven't already, absolutely go and create an account with ChatGPT, okay? And what I would suggest is spend at least 10 or 20 minutes a day inside of the interface and just talking with it, right? That's how I got really good at what I'm doing, but, uh, but there's, no, there's no expectation that you need to become an expert at it. But just like when the first personal computers came out, you just want to start playing around with it, familiarizing yourself with it. So when it starts to become more commonplace, it's not like a shock or a surprise to you. So the best way that I would suggest leveraging it is to use it as an expert reference. And what I mean when I say that is that as we progress in the AI revolution, we are not going to be judged in the marketplace anymore by what we know, right? It's not going to be, oh, I did this MBA and I did this master's degree and, and I have this you know, experience and all this stuff that's brought me all this knowledge and I can bring this knowledge to the table, right? It's not going to be that because we're all going to have access to the same level of information at the touch of our fingertips, like the internet, but even easier because you don't even have to search for it. You just have to ask for the right thing. So being able to ask the right questions is the thing that's going to set you, a start, set you apart in the marketplace, right? Asking right the, the right questions and really the way that I would look at asking the right questions is creativity, Right? So your creative ability to think criti critically in the moment, assess a situation, and creatively come up with questions to ask and possible solutions to provide, right? Because creativity is something that AI struggles with, right? So if you can creatively assess a situation, ask the right question of the right expert reference, then you can provide value in the marketplace. Because if everyone has access to the same tool, the person that can use that tool the best is the one that's going to stand out from the crowd. Right. Absolutely. I love that you brought that up because I think a lot of times that, you know, people are just kind of getting by and I don't say it in a bad way, but in, you know, kind of like the modern age and, you know, times in the past, people tend to just get by with, you know, information, almost like an information monopoly, right? If they know the information, then, then they're able to you know, kind of dominate the marketplace in a way, or at least take up market share. But what you're saying is this is completely kind of changing that dynamic. And instead of, you know, having information and using that as kind of leverage for being able to provide value to the marketplace, it's more about how to organize information that is out there that anybody can really access and uh, how you're able to kind of turn that into something that's useful, right? So basically putting information together and using that kind of creative or imagination factor, if you will, to, you know, combine them into certain things where it's actually going to provide value and add value to, you know, people's lives. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, that's, that's really how you want to look at it because 
I mean, if if uh, if anyone listening or watching hasn't seen it yet, go on YouTube and search for the four years ago, the Google hairdresser appointment demonstration. And this was four years ago where Google's AI over voice was able to make a hair appointment for someone with a real life salon. And the salon person on the phone couldn't tell that they were talking to AI and they were able to navigate the whole appointment. That was four years ago. So it's a little strange that they haven't released it now, but I mean, presumably they know the impact it's going to have. So imagine that would replace sales jobs, customer service jobs, everything, right? So, so it's like, that is what's possible and that's what's coming, right? So we need to prepare ourselves so it's not a shock because I, I think that, you know, aside from how to leverage this technology the best and, and we can get into the specifics of what do you actually type in to get the best results, more than anything is it's like when this comes out, if you are prepared, like emotionally, mentally, spiritually, psychologically for this shift that's coming, then you won't be reeling and tumbling under this wave of this kind of AI technology. You'll be like, okay, I knew this was coming. How can I pivot? How can I adjust, right? The better that you can prepare yourself to be able to be with change that's happening around you, the faster you can recover. So so don't uh, don't tell yourself that it isn't happening. Don't stick your head in the in the sand like an ostrich, right? Just get that this is happening. It's okay. We're in it together, and uh, and we can together uh, we can come out on top. Right, and that's pretty interesting because I think a lot of people when they think of this new revolution, right, and they think of AI and this new technology coming out, they usually think that they need to develop their technical skills. Um, a lot more and they think that's going to become more and more valuable and that's what I think we hear a lot of in like the media and what people are telling you know each other just out there is that technical skills are going going to be more valuable and maybe you can kind of touch on that as well as like do you think that's you know the case or what do you think are some of the skill sets that are actually going to be more valuable as the technology improves and changes and becomes more and more uh, part of our life yeah, I mean, so, so that's a great question. And and without getting too technical, the example that I will give is like a, a web developer. So like someone that actually writes the program for a web application or a website or something like that, right? So chat GPT into the OpenAI API can absolutely write that code, right? But your average person right now doesn't know what to ask for to get the right code, right? So they still need a they still need to talk to someone who understands programming to know what language and terminology to use to ask the ai for that information and then they um at this point the ai technology doesn't have access to the website to implement the code so then they need someone to implement the code and then someone who understands that's able to debug the code to make sure it works properly right so because right now it's just an, a language model but Will that change? Of course it will change, right? So I think that over time, the more that we interact and involve ourselves with the processes of AI, it's going to get better at replacing what we do. And I think that rather than approaching it from a place of fear, approach it from a place of opportunity, right? Like all of the menial jobs we don't like to do will be replaced. And then AI will also create new job opportunities that we can't even fathom right now. We can't even create what these are going to be, um, probably for the betterment of humankind or 
um, playing video games in the metaverse all day, you know, which either one. So, but in terms of, in terms of skill sets, I think the thing that is really going to separate us from separate us from the market and really have a standout is more so than ever. I think it's going to be soft skills, like less, less technical ability, less knowing how to do or act in a certain way or do a certain thing. I think it's going to be the, uh, you know, the, as you say, the imagination, the creativity, the communication, right? I think that those are the skills that are really going to stand out because think of like, like people, people born past the year 2000, right? Like for me, I grew up until the age of 10, there were no computers, right? There was no personal computer. There's no internet, right? I mean, in my house, there was personal computers around, but the internet came out when I was a young kid, right? So I didn't have exposure to that. So I was later to the game, whereas people that are born after the year 2000, technology, internet, it's normal, right? So it's easier to kind of accelerate in that, in that environment. Never mind people born today where AI is normal and, and part of the game, right? So if we look at that, there's also going to be this, right? Like if we look back to babies born in the pandemic and children that went through that pandemic, there's a massive implication on their confidence, on their ability to communicate, right? Uh, some of them, some children are still wearing masks as a form of comfort, right? Because they just got used to that. So it's like when there's a metaverse, when there's an environment where you can just be in your avatar character, almost like, I don't know, like Ready Player One, that movie, right? There, when, when something like that exists and people are raised and born in that environment and that they have never learned the skills of how to interact outside of that virtual world when school, friends, everything is inside of there, the people that can still hold real world conversations and, and, um, have the soft skills to, to, to really build relationships outside of that virtual environment um, are really going to be, be the game changers in, in business going forward. Because I think that the more that this kind of technology becomes more advanced and more normal, um, being able to like the better, the better that you are without the tech. Like if you can take off your headset, put down your phone, close your laptop, the higher you can perform with the fewer tools, the better you'll do with the tools available to you. That's a great statement. I've, that's actually a really great way to actually just put it is that the better you do without the tools, the more advanced you'll be when you actually have the tools, right? It's just like, if you want to think about, you know, the way that, you know, we kind of, no function, you want to put us all on an equal playing field by taking everything away. And then when you're given the same tools, the ones who develop those skills without the necessity of, you know, having the tools to either, you know, lay on or kind of fall back on, those are the people that are really going to take the most advantage and find the most value out of all of these technical tools that are, you know, growing and changing and improving. So I, I really, I'm really glad you brought that up because that's what I've always thought as well. And that's just validation and confirmation because I think too many people with this kind of technology revolution and all this change, which is good. And they are all recognized it. And a lot of people are excited about it, but they're not thinking about what kind of skills they need to develop. And they're really kind of thinking almost on the opposite spectrum 
of what they need to be doing and working on, improving on, and what are going to be the skills that are really going to be valuable moving into the future. I think for younger people, it's it's a really good um really good topic to actually um to develop and 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 dig deeper into. A hundred percent. I love what you said there because people are so focused on what AI is giving us, but it's important to remember what it's taking away. Right. It's it for, even for me, I've noticed that it's really important that I don't always go to the AI for creative ideas, that it's important that I still practice my brainstorming skills. Because I noticed that after a few weeks of relying and counting on the AI to come up, uh, come up with ideas for me, I'm slower to be able to do it myself. So I'm like, okay, whoa, I'm noticing something in the psychology here. So I need to find a balance between using the AI to simplify repetitive tasks and behaviors. But when it comes to the creative thinking, the critical thinking to really come to the AI already with some ideas. So it kind of knows the track that I'm heading down and we work as a symbiotic partnership rather than it's kind of taking over for me. And I think that that's something that is really important um, for, for the youth um, out there as well as for parents out there is like, for example, I mean, if you look at a technology like the iPad, right, the technology is fantastic. I mean, you can do so much with the iPad. And if you're in any kind of executive or leadership position or you're running some sort of company, I would highly suggest that you switch from a laptop or computer or a desktop to an iPad because as a brief tangent, it limits you on what you can do on the device. So you get better at delegating to people to do things for you, right? So you leverage your time more effectively. But like the CEO of Apple, he doesn't give his kids access to iPads or Apple technology until they've reached a certain age, around eight to 10, right? Because that's when the child's brain exits that state of constant hypnosis and enters into a place of really understanding and being able to in interact with the world around them as more uh, adult type of brain. So I think if you look at someone like that who fully understands what the iPad is and they're like, okay, so I'm not going to give this to my children, right? So then recognizing, okay, so there is value then in children developing communication ability, creativity ability, imagination, you know, playing outside of that technological world before going into it. Because I think that, yes, there is absolutely value to mastering that technology. And I think that children that have been on technology from birth all the way up, they, they really have an understanding of the technology um, better than a lot of other people do, but they also have a massive dependency on it, right? So it's like, can you become that fully formed independent being that in like a three-day blackout, you can still function, right? You can still interact with the world, right? Versus being 100% completely dependent on the technology. And that, and as I say, even in the short few months I've been using AI, I noticed that dependency starting to develop. So it's like, how can you find that balance? Yeah, that's a really good point too. Because um, especially when you're talking about like, you know, can somebody even function in a three-day blackout, right? Because that's the, I think that's the, I wouldn't say the fear, but like the part that most people don't really think about is, you know, what happens, right? If this goes away one day or if just it's on pause, right? Like what happens, like you said, if there's a blackout for a week, you know, is the world still going to function? And if you're able to function on your own without the technology, without being dependent on it, then yes, it will, because 
you know, we'll still have problem solving skills and we'll still be able to come up with our own ideas basically without AI telling us how to think. And that's a pretty good, you know, I guess not transition, but like there's a pretty good point there because a lot of people I've seen kind of use AI technology and use chat GPT um, specifically is that they're asking it for ideas, right? They're doing almost exactly what you're telling people not to do. And that is they are asking it to give them creative ideas. And that is one of the, I think one of the most popular ways that people are actually using that. So what would you, I guess, what would you say to that? Like how much should people use it for? And, you know, in your opinion, like, should they be using it for that? Or should they be using it in a different way where you come up with a list of ideas and then ask the AI to expand on it using the information that it has? Yeah, so I think that's a great point. So if someone is out there and they're like, I have no idea where to start on this particular idea, like I've never explored this before. Like this morning, I was really curious about what would it take for me to build a, a little robot that could just walk around on my desk and then I could wave my hand and it would try to run away from me. Like just kind of found out a fun project. I've, I've never touched robotics before in my life. I have no idea where to start. I did a Google search. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't helping me. So I asked ChatGPT, hey, what are the basic things that I would need to know to build a robot that does this? And then it explained it to me, right? In simple terms. And I'm like, okay, so I would need to know, uh, I would need maybe a 3D printer. I would need some programming experience, some electronics experience, all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, so now I have an idea of what that would take. But I think that, um, I think that there's a difference between um, menial or repetitive creativity and, and true creativity. And what I mean when I say that is like, if you... If every morning when you get up, if you're doing what I call morning pages, where you're just journaling and you just journal for three pages, at least three pages, um, you can stop at three or you can keep going. It's up to you. And you're really allowing yourself to be in that creative space of writing, of whatever comes out. It doesn't have to be amazing or perfect or anything like that. You do that. And then you write, you write out your goals and you write your gratitudes for the day. And you allow yourself to be in that space of, of pen to paper, not pen to iPad, pen to paper um, in the morning, allowing yourself to experience that technology-free creativity, then I think using AI for like, give me 100 content ideas for, you know, how, um, how um, as a realtor, I can positively impact my potential clients as buyers and sellers. So I think that that is a great way to use that. I mean, coming up with that prompt is creativity in itself. I think that where you start to lose touch with um, with your creativity is when every idea that you have, you ask the AI for the answer, right? Versus like, you know, just doing that journaling in the morning and staying in tune with who you are as a person. And, and that's why I think that that it's, it's such a different conversation than just what are the best prompts to ask? It's, it's how is this technology actually impacting us as human beings and how can we, how can we stay in touch with that humanity? Right. So I'm, I'm absolutely not shooting down at all, getting a hundred content ideas, helping it write blog posts for you and all that stuff. I think that that's a great idea. And I think that for me, I leverage AI to help get the creative juices flowing, 
Okay, so if for whatever reason I don't know what to do, I have no idea, no idea where to start, I'll ask ChatGPT. Or if I'm in a brainstorming session and I hit a snag or a wall, I'll go to ChatGPT and say, hey, this is what I have so far. Where do you think I could take it next? So using it as an assistant when you get stuck to help you overcome that hurdle is the best way to use it versus counting on it for every step of the creative process. Does, does that make sense in terms of where to and where not to use it in the creative process? Yeah, it makes perfect sense, actually. And even when you were explaining the story of, you know, you were looking to build a little robot and that was, you know, that painted a perfect picture because when you had the idea to build a robot, you didn't ask, you know, chat GPT, hey, I just woke up. What should I do today? Right. You didn't ask it for directions on how you should think and where you should move forward. You you came up with the idea that will actually add value to your life, whether if it's just, you know, for recreational purposes or for actual you know, functional purposes, whatever it was, you came up with the idea yourself based on your experiences and knowledge and, you know, what you want to do and how you see the future is going to move um, with that added piece to your, you know, to your life. And then you ask the AI for information on how to actually proceed with the process, right? So it's more, you know, you should never ask, you know, ChatGPT why, but you could potentially ask, you know, like what or how questions. And I think that's where, where it comes in. Cause these are like, you would think of it like three different layers of doing things is, you know, why is the very deepest layer and then it's the what, and then it's the how, right? So mm -hmm. you kind of want to move in that, in that ladder. I don't know if that made any sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, to, to kind of compare artificial intelligence to humans, right? We, 95% of what we do is based on our subconscious mind, which is often the why, right? And, and we don't even know what our subconscious mind is choosing, which is why gratitudes in the morning, I am affirmation goals and all that stuff is so important because you're kind of reprogramming or deprogramming the default operating system you've been given, right? So if you're looking at, at AI to define your why, you're, you're limiting yourself as to what's possible because I would, I would bet that if you if you have a question of a, more of a why, I think that you would find a better answer from 20 minutes of meditation than you would from 20 seconds of chat GPT. Um, but that's my personal opinion on that. Um, yeah, and then I think that when it comes to the why and how do I live, I think that that's the, the dangerous territory. And I think that that's why, you know, right now the US government has de denied the, the testing um, allowance for Elon Musk to test his um, Neuralink in humans, right? Because, I mean, it's one of those things where when you have a AI connected, Wi-Fi connected chip in your head, um, we have no idea what the implications are um, on our subconscious mind or unconscious mind, um, as well as uh, for any conspiracy theorists out there, you know, what is being fed into our subconscious mind, right? What You know, whatever. I think that that um, idea of remembering that who are we without the technology, right? And who are we when we step away from the technology and what skills do we develop when we do distance ourselves from the technology? And if you're one with the technology, how do you do that? Can you, right? So that's, I think that the question. Right. That's, I mean, that's just crazy to me. <laughs> the entire idea of, you know, merging yourself with the technology, like almost like, you know, like becoming cyborgs, right? I think that's the, 
that's the wrong way to use all this new stuff coming out. It's you have to treat it. And I think you'd agree with this. You have to treat it as like you're, like you're saying an assistant or a tool that you have to use. Right. So yeah. chat GPT is not replacing a part of your brain. You, you have to see it not as like a part of your body, but more so as like a wrench or a bottle yeah. of water. Or Absolutely. Like and, and I think that people could argue that, well, you know, Neuralink is that, right? Because the intention of it right now is, is they're able to uh, cure uh, paralysis with Neuralink, reconnect the, the limbs to the brain. Um, and the kind of humorous but, but apt example would be um, in the Spider-Man movie with Dr. Octavius, um, where he uh, has the arms attached and there's an inhibitor chip that is totally unprotected that like gets damaged and suddenly he's not dependent. He's not controlling the arms. The arms are controlling him. Right. So it's like, it's like, I mean, there's always going to be two camps, right? There's always going to be people that are like, please put the chip in me. And there's going to be people like, no, no, I want to be able to step away from technology if I can. Right. So, um, and personally, I'm, I'm one of the people that I love to use technology. I love taking on the latest technology, but I'm not looking to put any technology into me. Right. I, I would have to, I'd have to agree on with you on there, uh, on that yeah. one as well. But um, yeah. So, you know, in, in talking about this and talking about like using it as a tool. So let's kind of like talk a little bit more about some of the practicalities of this and, you know, how to actually use this, you know, as a tool to, to the best of your abilities because I'm, I'm probably like more so even in the, on the completely opposite spectrum where I almost don't see a lot of uses with ChatGPT. I, I've been using it a little bit more now, but I still don't use it probably even as much as the majority of, you know, agents that I know. And I was just wondering, you know, for somebody like, you know, myself who don't, might not see like as much benefit in it, like what would you, what would you say are some things that I could start doing? How should I be using this to kind of better my life uh, moving forward in some of the practical sense on, you know, okay, ma making it sure. a little bit? Sure. I mean, to, to get a picture of that, I have two questions for you. Right. So the first question is, what is your favorite way to use it so far? So mostly for me, and I've been using this for the past couple of weeks, just to write copy, right? Instagram captions, different things that I normally don't put too much effort into, but I almost treat it like a, uh, a virtual assistant in a way where it's doing tasks where it can do it a lot faster. And I've mm -hmm. also used a different AI platform to actually create short videos from longer okay. videos. <laughs> so Perfect. those are the two ways yeah. that I've been using them. Okay, got it. So so really the, the menial tasks that normally don't take much effort, but take more time, and you've been able to leverage it for that. Yes, absolutely. Okay, got it. So specifically with like ChatGPT, that platform, um, where do you feel like it's falling short for you? I probably the exact we're exactly what we're just talking about is most of my work that I try to do and in my business is, you know, create creativity and you know talking to people and improving their lives and improving their businesses, you know, I have a team of agents and, you know, I do a lot of coaching with them or I'm just talking to somebody else and trying to make them explain to them the EXP, you know, business model opportunity. Right. So I'm, I'm a recruiter. I'm a team builder. That's kind of, of mostly what I do. So, and even 
with my blog, right? So I also write a blog. I, I don't use it to write any copy within the blog because I, there's a certain message that I want to put out there uh, kind of in my content that don't necessarily feel, you know, an artificial intelligence can replace. And I've actually tried using it, a different platform called Jasper AI uh, in the previous year, and it did not give me the results that I was hoping for. So that's why I haven't been really using it. But I think most people will think about using ChatGPT is to write content or to, you know, produce copy for their content. Got it for sure. So, so what it sounds like to me too, is like, you're like, okay, so video platform aside, just looking at text-based content, it's really good for like short snippy stuff, but for the longer content, it doesn't sound like you, like it doesn't communicate the message. Yep. Absolutely. It doesn't, doesn't sound anything like, like me. It's not something that I would say. So. Okay. Got it. So first, uh, cause I, I have an answer for you. Um, and I'll kind of dive into exactly where I think you, you could focus on and where probably other people listening are having trouble with chat GPT as well. They're probably facing the same thing. The conversation is around data. So if we look at the AI revolution as the, as the equivalent of a gold rush, right? It's not the people that were digging the gold that made the most money. It was the people that were providing the tools, right? This is a story we've heard before, right? So what are the tools in the AI revolution? And the tools is the data, right? So that's why like Facebook, massive data. That's why Elon Musk, who owns OpenAI, also owns Twitter, right? Because Twitter is a massive data set. Right. So and a conversational data set at that. So his conversational platform can get better. So AI performs best when it has data to base its responses off of. Okay. So if you ask your chat GPT platform, um, I, if, if, if you or any of your listeners are not currently on chat GPT plus, I would highly recommend it. Um, the default model that's available on the free um, edition, in my opinion, doesn't perform as well as it could. It's more focused on speed, whereas GPT 3.5 legacy version and GPT version 4 are definitely the best for creating long-form co content. Um, ultimately, if you ask it to write you a blog post about something, even if you give it the most detail about what you're looking for, it's still gonna sound either like a robot or it's just gonna sound like, like a generic corporate blog post that just sounds like no one. It's like some person in the ether who just writes generic content, produced this, and I'm not pu putting this on my blog because it sounds like a robot and I want people to know that I care about them and that, I, you know, and that when they join my team, they're joining the team with a, a real person that's really gonna support them, All right? So, with that said, there is a way that you're able to train ChatGPT to write like you, okay? So it's using a technique called NLP. And NLP is not neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, it's, in this instance, it's natural language processing. And essentially what you can do is you can, in the ChatGPT prompt, and you can kind of have this saved in a, in a notepad, so you can always go back to it later. What you wanna do is Facebook posts, for example. You go back and you find your three to four to five, depending on the length, um, highest performing and highest engagement Facebook posts. Or even, even if you have this metric to track, 
where the most agents found you from these posts, right? Where the, where the most conversions happen. So you take those three to five posts, you put them inside a prompt. And at the beginning of the prompt, you just say, you know, act as a social media content writer um, with your name and this is your intention. And that's where you put the, the normal stuff that you've already been putting, right? And then you say, base your response uh, by performing a NLP analysis or a natural language processing analysis of the following five posts. Okay, and then you put your posts in there and you separate them by bullet points and it says, write the response below, um, uh, do so in, using language not um, typical of AI. And before starting to write, give me eight content ideas. Or if you already have content ideas, say, this is the topic that I'd like you to write about. So with that prompt, the way that that's structured, um, and that's something absolutely that I that I have available um, to share if, if you'd like to, to, to leverage it today, um, you can produce content that um, scarily sounds like you. Like to the point of it'll use emojis as much as you do. It'll use the language that you do. It'll it'll sound like it's coming from the heart, right? Because right now, when you ask it to write a piece of content, it's basing it off the language of the entire world, the entire English language pre-2021, right? In terms of what's on the internet, right? Versus if you can give it five content pieces that you wrote, it can write pretty much exactly like you. And then your job as the human being will always be validation. So then you take that result, you tweak it a little bit, but I think that you'll find with that methodology, your ability to write kind of meaningful, impactful posts is going to go to another level. Wow. So that's, that's something I don't think a lot of people know is that you can leverage it where you're giving it, you're feeding it data, right? You're feeding it data of the stuff that you've written before, whether if it's blog posts in the past, or like you were saying, like Facebook posts, different things like that. And even can, email marketing emails that got right. the most response rates, open rates, conversion rates, you can use that to write emails. Hmm. Right. And then, yeah. So writing emails, it's a, it's, I think it's a big one too, for a lot of people, they, they use that to write their, you know, their email marketing, their email copy. And if you feed it that information and tell it to do a certain, do it a certain way, it'll actually write it in that language pattern. Right. Yeah. Am I, am I correct on that? Absolutely. I mean, if you wanted to, you could go on like Tom Ferry's Facebook page, get his five top performing posts and have it do an NLP okay. analysis on that and write based on that style. Right. So it doesn't even have to be your own content. Right. And that's, yeah. So that's another good point is now you can actually take other people's content that you maybe have been practicing even to trying to write like, or essentially sound like in your marketing. And you can just say, Hey, I want my content to sound like this. And now really you're able to kind of sound like almost anybody out there, any influencer out there um, in the world. Absolutely. Uh, and if you want it to sound like you, giving it writing of your own is great. But if you look at someone like, say like Tony Robbins, right? Someone who has a massive amount of content online pre 2021, you could say, write this blog post from the perspective of Tony Robbins. Right, because it because it, it can access all this information. So any any influencer that has stuff online pre twenty twenty one, you can say just perform an NLP analysis on the writing style of Tony Robbins. Use that style to write a post about blank. 
So yeah, so that's a that's actually a really really interesting point. And I guess the question would be, would you recommend wrecking writing something in somebody else's perspective or more keeping it in your own perspective? Um, I think it's what your ultimate goal is. Um, if you're working for an organization that wants you to write content um, and be creative with it, I think um, leveraging something like Tony Robbins' writing style would be great um, for personal development. But if you're looking to build a 10-year brand, um, I think that, uh, okay, let me back up. Let me back up, okay? I got to talk about the future implications of this, okay? So as we go forward, AI is going to get way better at identifying what is written by AI and is what written by humans, right? So, hmm. for example, blogs that are started today that perform well under Google SEO five years from now won't, maybe a year from now, because Google is going to want to give people the, the best, like, created content that isn't created by the AI, right? So I think that right now, like I would, I would recommend leveraging AI for social media content because social media platforms, they care about engagement. That's their primary focus, right? Um, I would also recommend that if you want some help with like a YouTube video script or TikTok video scripts, leverage that because you're, you're still speaking it. It's still coming from you. It's still your voice. Whereas People that rely too heavily on email marketing and blog posts, particularly, because those are two things that emails can be filtered by spam and blog posts will be filtered by SEO, right? So, and search engines and all that stuff, right? So those two things will either, will, will either categorize AI content differently or will exclude it from the results because it's not as quality content, right? So I think leveraging the AI technology where it's, where it's important. And I would say that finding that balance. So like if you're using AI to write your long form Facebook content, because Facebook's all about engagement, but then you're still there, like writing a daily email, right? To your list and getting creative with that. Even if the AI is helping you come up with a hundred content ideas, take a content idea and write it out yourself, right? Do that exercise because that's a, that copywriting skill is going to disappear, right? And you could say, give me 10 emails on these topics written out in the style of Tony Robbins or the style of Grant Cardone or whatever it is you want and read those and read those emails, put them aside and then sit down and from what you just read, write it out, okay? That's a technique that I've heard referred to as uh, skyscraping from a guy named Paul Scrivens. Uh, 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 he's a guy that does like blog post websites and, and how to make money from blogs. And what you do is you go out there and you watch videos and you learn about all this stuff um, on a particular topic. And then you sit down without that information. And from all the stuff you just learned, you spit it out, you write it out, right? So if you want to have, if you want to get really good at writing copy or email copy, that's like high performing email copy, get ChatGPT to write out a bunch of emails in that style on the topic you're looking to talk about. For So it's a very specific, exactly what you're looking for. Read all of those emails over and over, maybe two or three times, put them, put those aside, then sit down. And from that mindset, that place, write the emails yourself, right? Because then you're developing the skill set, but you're using that language, right? Because in the future, it, emails written by AI 
you can go right to spam. Wow. So that's something I don't think people people realize. And I'm really glad you you mentioned that too, because that's something that kind of I didn't even realize as well. Um, I definitely knew with the SEO part. Um, and that's why I that's one of the other reasons why I never write blog posts using AI, you know, and just post them immediately from that, because I know Google has that filter. They and this is not a future thing, this is a current thing that Google is doing where they're filtering out posts with AI with the SEO system, but also with email, right? If you are relying on a artificial intelligence to write your email copy for you 100% or 90% or above, I don't know if this, they're, doing, they're doing this now, but definitely in the future, like you said, they can just filter that email out by spam and nobody on your list will ever see that email ever again. Um, and you, yeah. I mean, you'll notice eventually, but you know, you might get too dependent on that and you know, might not know what to do. So that's, that's actually a, a really good point. Yeah, and I mean, if you're if you're familiar with any kind of DMARC or B, or DKIM filters on the domain level, like if you're sending out a lot of emails, your domain could get flagged, like internet wide, as a domain that AI comes from, right? Because think, as as AI develops, and there's going to be an AI that can write the email, then an AI that sends the email, then an AI that converts on the click, and all that stuff. When that happens, those types of systems are going to be treated differently, right? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's something definitely I think people should, you know, pay attention to and uh, be aware of as well. So I'm, I'm really glad that point was brought up. Yeah. And, and then I think that the thing that's really going to set, set everyone apart is like, if you look at all your peers in a room, like if you've got all of your competitors in one room together and all your colleagues, right. And looked at them all. And you said, if I keep doing this and if I produce video content, that's actually my face that people can see it's me or audio content or whatever that is, and I do that for the next five or even 10 years, the people in this room are going to be less than 10, less than five that are still doing it, right? So we just need to remember that AI is here to help us, but as individuals of what we're creating in the world and what we're outputting, we just need to remember that it's for the long haul, right? If you're looking for a quick fix from AI, you'll get it, but it's not going to support you in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. So- kind of going back to what we were just talking about in the very beginning of the podcast as well, knowing what skills you need to have and continue developing them without being essentially completely reliant on technology, on the artificial intelligence and all these cool things that are coming out. And I'm sure you agree with this, you know, just as kind of like this technology improves more and more cool tools and apps and websites implementing it will start showing up and they're going to be like, you know, shiny object syndrome, right? You're going to yeah. see this and you're like, wow, this is going to change my life. And wow, this is going to change, you know, everything. And if you, I feel like if you take that approach and that mindset, you know, it's just like with anything else, right? Like before artificial intelligence agents will, you know, look at a certain marketing strategy or a certain way to generate leads. And they'll say, okay, shiny object syndrome, this is going to change my business. And then they try it for three months or maybe even less than that, like a week. And it doesn't work out and then they're back to square one. So some of these yeah. fo foundational fundamentals, you know, they're important. And those are the things that are going to last regardless of time and technology. Yeah, exactly. And I think to your point, the people that are looking for that shiny object syndrome maybe aren't also putting in the time to develop their own creativity or their own yeah. writing ability or anything like that. Right. Because I mean, we, we can all be the we can all be the mental equivalent of the characters in the Wally movie where AI completely took over their lives and they're all just like, they can't even walk. Right. So it's like, that's possible, but it's like, 
how can we maintain our sovereignty as individuals to create and to, to celebrate, you know, what we're here to do together um, and leverage this as, as you say, as an assistant, but not as, as a replacement. Right. Absolutely. So I just want to thank you for uh, coming on, sharing everything you had to share. I definitely learned a lot today and I feel like our listeners did too. And even got a lot of practical tips out of what, how to use the AI, what to use it on and what not to use it on as well so that they're not wasting their time and hindering their abilities in business as well. So for kind of people who are listening or watching this that want more information, I know you have a really cool masterclass with a lot of great tips on how to prompt the AI and make sure it's doing the right things for you. And it's completely free. So, you know, for people who are watching this, who want to reach out or who want to learn more about what you're doing there, um, what are some good ways to kind of find you, whether it's to follow you on social media or connect with you, you know? Yeah, I mean, if someone wants to, up. if someone wants to reach out on Facebook, you can search me. I'm Cameron, the Cameron, the AI guy, and I'm <laughs> sure that you'll provide a link. But uh, right. if anyone else wants to go to AI8, AI, the number eight, academy.com, that is where the free masterclass is. And just do the free masterclass. Um, it'll give you clarity as... Um, what ChatGPT can be for you and how to leverage it um, and kind of how to prompt it to, to make it be that kind of perfect expert assistant for you. And then only, I wouldn't recommend the, the academy itself to everyone, only for people that really want to take it to another level of like being able to use it more specifically for certain implementations inside of the, the academy. I have more detailed explanations of how to use prompts. I think I have 12 different prompts specifically just for realtors for how that they can use it. And it's, a, it's, I mean, it's, it's just a, a place where people can come together that can learn how to take advantage of this technology now, but also find a balance in their life. So if, if you're just curious about it, check out the masterclass, but, um, but the Academy is definitely only for people that, that really um, kind of want to learn more and take it to another level. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I will leave all the links down below. Make sure to uh, go check that out and uh, connect with Cam if you want to learn a little bit more about, you know, how to use this to uh, better your life and uh, just be prepared, right? Because it's it's happening. It's happening as we speak right now. So uh, yeah. And uh, before I let you let you sign off here, is there uh, just any last thoughts, any last tips and uh, any last value that you can leave with us before I uh, let, you, let you go here? Yeah, the last thing would be is if you're not already doing it, make sure that you're writing down your gratitudes every morning. Because if you focus on your gratitudes, then you'll focus on what's working rather than what's not working. And then when unexpected shit comes up in your life, you'll be ready for it. Right. That's a great tip. And uh, I want to thank you again for coming on, sharing all your value and uh, everything that you know you shared today. Uh, I definitely learned a lot and uh, hopefully the listeners did as well. And I uh, just want to say thank you again. And uh, for anybody tuning in, I want to thank you for uh, tuning in and staying with us to the end here. And I'll uh, see you guys on the next show. Take care.